Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we highlight the people, the technologies, and the companies that are shaping the future of retail. Today, we are joined by Sarah Batchelder, the Vice President of Retail Sales at Numerator. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, this has been awesome. So, like, I think we've probably known each other, and I've known you now probably, I don't know, it's six months to a year. You lose track yeah. of time with all this COVID craziness that's been going <laughs> yes. on. But this is cool because Numerator, you work for Numerator, and Numerator, I got to tell you, like, of all the companies that are out there, I get asked about you guys a lot. So, just in conversations with people in the business, uh, a lot of times, too, like, say, hey, I'm looking for work, you know, do you guys know anybody at Numerator? And so you guys are always kind of, you know, just in and around the conversations about some of the cool things that are happening in retail, especially from like an insights and analytical perspective. So, so with that as a backdrop, who the heck is Numerator? What is it all about? What do you do? <laughs> yes. Um, I could go on and on for this. So I'm going to answer this kind of in two parts. One, okay. um, just give you a little bit of background about the company. So we're headquartered in Chicago. Well, normally when we're not West, all right. with COVID, um, as we're all working remote. And we're a global company, which a lot of people don't know. And we're, mm. we have offices across the US, but also in um, Australia, the UK, India, Jamaica. And we're really excited because we just launched in Canada. Um, and now to kind of get to the heart of your question of what we actually do. <laughs> so we have a variety of, uh, of tech enabled solutions that provide really an integrated path and purchase view. So what does that really mean? We can provide retailers and CPGs real-time insights into consumer buying, uh, the why, the ads, the promotions, and the pricing behind it. So Sarah, give me, give me a, an example of that a little bit. Like what, what is a typical dashboard or kind of report look like when you're working? Yeah, great question. So there's, you know, there's probably hundreds I could, I could go through, but a really simple example is, you know, a retailer might say to us, I really need to understand my share of wallet. Where are my consumers going and why? So, you know, is retailer A leaking to retailer B and C? Is it assortment? Is it price? Um, are they doing more circulars, print or digital? So those are all the pieces that we can kind of put together and then create actions around that. So, you know, I think we all get inundated with data right now from a variety of companies. And the, the biggest, I think, thing that we help with is being able to put that into action. And, and for you guys too, like, are you looking at this across both channels? Is it, you know, store driven? Like, how does that all work? Yeah, so we, um, and I'll, I'll talk more about our, our Omni panel solution, but we cover all channels. So both e-com okay. and brick and mortar. And I think that's what really sets us apart as well because retailers and CPGs, you can't really see some of those blind spots and that's where we come in. And how are you guys, how do you guys do that specifically? So like what differentiates you from say, cause there are a lot of companies out there that say, Hey, we can, you know, do data or provide these insights. What makes you different than a lot of them? Yeah. So really it's our scale. We have the largest, most representative panel out there. Hmm. And the reason we can say that, and we know that is the way consumers engage with it is so easy. And so we have a really easy to use consumer app, Receipt Hog, check it out. Um, <laughs> the, the panelist simply takes a picture of their receipt and they also give us access to their econ receipts. And that's the missing link that a lot of retailers and CDGs can't see today. So then we capture all that receipt data, both brick and mortar and online. We transcribe that, we put that into our panel. Um, so really that helps us track behavior across channels and not just traditional grocery and that platform, you know, we work with CPGs and retailers in a variety of ways. And so, you know, it's more self-service where you can go in. It's almost like a Mad Lib where you say, I want to know this, this, and this, um, or, you know, some, some of our clients like those insights hand delivered to them, but 
um, really the scale of our, our panel and the channels we cover really sets us apart. And, and yeah, and re- that's a good point too, because like retail is really broad. So like there's a lot of constituencies within that that could find that type of information valuable. How do you, who are all those constituencies, constituencies excuse me, number one, and how do you work with, with, with all of them specifically? Yeah, so even within a retailer and within a CPG, we have to flex on how they, they want to work. Hmm. Um, you know, CPGs have bigger insights departments and, and can handle more of this data coming in and, and, and whereas retailers are a little hmm. bit leaner. Oh, um, and they also, with, with COVID, have to make faster decisions. And so right. we really have a flexible business model where we can work in, in both ways. Um, and so in a lot of our businesses, we have a, a, a team that's providing the insights right to <laughs> their email and telling them exactly what to do with it. And others really like to dig in and, and roll up their sleeves and you know dig into the data. Do you guys also work with, say, the middlemen, like the sales representatives and things like that, that are maybe acting on behalf of the CPGs for the retailers? Are they part of this puzzle too? Yeah, we definitely work with with agencies and, and brokers um, okay. as well. It's just a little bit different business model how we work with them. But absolutely. Got it. Um, and when I say uh, retail as well, we it's not just the traditional channels that we think of as like mass media, uh, grocery, but we also work um, with home improvements, with uh, liquor stores, right? One of my favorite, Total Wine. Oh, uh, interesting. Okay, <laughs> cool. Good drop. <laughs> <laughs> I might be making a trip there today. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> that's so great that's great that just gives us that total view not just the traditional channels yeah got it that makes sense and then so okay so that's cool that's good what so what's your role then like what is it that you do within that whole kind of industrial complex so to speak yeah so i lead our retail and qsr team and i mm. i love retail so i worked in retail and in cpg and shopper marketing for 22 years my my entire career and i get really excited about retail like the way i shop i I love to just kind of analyze everything about it. And what I love most about working with retail and, and here at Numerator is the data we can provide can really help answer meaningful questions all the way up to the C-suite. Um, and that's what I think is so powerful about our, our data. Because today, as we live in this new uh, COVID world, there's new questions coming up that you never thought you were going to answer that we can answer. And I get really excited about that. Yeah. And Sarah, what's the... Like, I'm, I'm really curious as you're talking, you're talking about like how you make those questions that you're getting from all over the place about all sorts of things. What kind of things are you putting into like an action plan for them on how to respond? Like, what does that, that look like? Yeah. So one of the things we'll probably talk about a little bit more is, you know, things like click and collect, right? So yeah, that as an great example. example. So retailers and CPGs, but we'll just focus on retail right now. They really want to understand how to play in that space, right? And so no one was really prepared <laughs> for how you know, this all took storm and how click and click yeah. is such a huge part of the business. And so, um, you know, whether we're doing a survey or looking at the, the panelist data to help understand those things, we can help them decide, hey, do you have enough parking spots even to handle this? Sure. Um, and that Interesting. You know, real estate, right? And so things I never, you know, even thought about. But also, um, are you doing the right incentives to get new um, consumers to use Click and Collect? Um, because we're finding in the data that you know two to three are new, people are new to it, and so how do you how do you keep them and sustain that? So you need to make sure the service is there, the offering is there, the product is there, right? We all saw what happened with supply chain. So those are types of ways we put our data into action. Well, let's stay, there. Let, let, let's stay there for a sec. Let's stay there for a second. Like I want to, and I want to come back and do like kind of the broad look at like, what are some of the big trends you guys are seeing? But like, let's stay there for a minute. Like 
talk more about that. Like what, what is happening with click and collect in the sense of like, cause those are some really interesting things. Like, is there enough parking spaces? Like, and <laughs> what can, what incentives work? What don't like, what are you guys seeing broadly, you know, as that's just such a massive trend right now for retailers and CBGs really at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I didn't use click and collect prior to, to COVID. And so I'm learning. Oh, um, Anne loves it. <laughs> And can't get enough of it. In fact, Anne doesn't even use, she uses curbside. So she's even cooler. Always have been. You got to love that. (laughs) It's it's amazing. I mean, even some of the data that you guys have put out, Sarah, it's it's interesting to see how much of a shift that's created now, how people are even more willing to cancel their in-store trip to do curbside. And yes, I'm a huge advocate, but tell tell us more about that (laughs) specifically. Absolutely. I mean, um, sale, click and collect sales were up 63% during kind of this COVID period compared to January of 2020. And, okay. and that's really driven by additional users and larger and more frequent trips. But as I mentioned, two out of three users plan to continue using click and collect post pandemic. So, you know, this isn't going to go away as far as, you know, the need for click and collect. Um, but what's really interesting is it's attracting a new customer base um, that tends to be older, lower income, households without children. Hmm. So this is an opportunity for retailers to focus on how they're going to sustain those new users. Um, so I think, again, they just need to think of what, do they have the right product in stock, parking spots, how they're going to incentivize shoppers to use Click and Collect and stay there in the future. Are you seeing to what you, the points you brought up before, especially if the audience is new, are you seeing specific tactical things retailers can do that in general, you would say this is kind of a good rubric to follow in terms of uh, making sure that works as effectively as possible? Yeah, I think to reach you know, those people? Lot, the, this, we do a lot of surveys and mm-hmm. so um, throughout the panel. And so I think, you know, something constant we're seeing um, when you, they rank the experience and kind of what's most important is the, the experience. So when they get there, mm-hmm we talked about is their spot. Do they call someone? Do they text someone? Do they scan a code? Just the, the experience to get their stuff to their car. If it's too cumbersome, they're going to leave. Is there any data on what they like specifically within that text, talking, walking up? Like what's, what's that look like? Yeah. You know, a retailer that does this really well is, is Target. Oh, right? okay. So um, I just experienced my first uh, click and collect with Target and uh, you basically click a button. I'm here tells what kind of car and within minutes I, I have everything I need in my trunk. Um, so um, specifically that, that ease of like a quick two clicks is what we're, you know, kind of seeing is I don't want to have to call, sit on hold, dial one. Yeah. <laughs> but I've experienced that as well. Sure, <laughs> I have a, times. Yeah. I have a selfish question. Have you seen any data with those same click and collect um, users? Have you seen any data that's asking for returns or like reverse collect? Have they mentioned that in any of the reports that you've seen? I also have that question and I have not seen that yet. Mm. Okay. Um, take note of that because maybe that's something we should, we should ask if we haven't, we may have, and I just haven't seen it yet. I um, wanted you to say yes. So we could tell retailers to like get that, that whole thing back. I'm going to take it as a takeaway and see what I can do with that. So I'll, I'll circle back with that, but I would agree. That's been, you know, as, as e-com has accelerated click and collect, then the returns have also <laughs> probably. Right. So that experience is very different because you still need to go in store. Right. 
Right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, for the most part right now. You know, Anne's been pretty fired up about that. She got hot Italian on me right before we got on the call with us about some experience <laughs> she's been having and she can't go back to a store so for for this particular product. But yeah. But all right, well so now let's bring it back up. So what what are you seeing from like what are you seeing from like just a high level, you know, over the last 3 or 4 months of COVID with the data you guys have at your fingertips? What are the types of things you're seeing whether it be you know, and, and we know e-commerce is accelerating, but what are the macro level trends that you're seeing in addition to maybe click and collect? Yeah. So I want to talk about um, the acceleration of e-com because I, I think this one's pretty interesting and okay. it's sort of like a, um, of course that's going to happen given the pandemic. Right. But again, not everybody was like quite prepared to handle it, but some of the, the things that um, were really interesting in some recent data that we put out there were um, ice cream e-com accelerated nine times or over 20 months ahead in two and a half months. That's crazy. <laughs> like the purchase of ice cream? On- yes. yes. Uh, and I told you you would move the needle. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, now, hey. That's wild. How much? Nine times? Yes. And, so and ice cream and- e-commerce has accelerated nine times. Wow. And just even like um, baking and center store items that were really challenged before this are sure. Like, because... People are looking, well, one, there's more people to feed. You're not going out, but also they're looking for things to do. So whether it's an Instagram recipe, which might never look the same as the picture or a Zoom cooking class. So some of those center store items that were kind of previously challenged, we're seeing a spike in those um, as well. Um, I mean, some of our CPGs are selling more in a three month time period of a certain item than they had all year. That's how fast it is. So you're seeing a year's worth of business in three months right now. Yeah, in certain categories. In certain categories. What, so I question on the ice cream thing, because that's fascinating. Uh, and having ice run frozen food for Target, I didn't run the ice cream side. My buddy, Glenn, shout out to him. He's a cool dude. He ran the ice cream side. So we always talked about this. But like that is a particularly challenging count category from a logistics perspective. So similar to Click and Collect, are you guys seeing any data there in terms of you know what's working well or what's not working well for consumers on that side of things? You know, I haven't dug into that level personally yet. Um, and I think, you know, early on the, w- whether it was ice cream or pretty many categories, especially like hand sanitizer, paper towel, su- supply chain issues. And I think most people have kind of figured that out now for the most part. And it will be really interesting to see what happens sort of in the, in the fall timing around um, supply chain. And so I think everybody, all the retailers are getting you know better about this as well as um, CPG making sure they have enough stock. But whether there's a second wave or um, or not, um, that could impact this all over again. But then also just thinking about back to school holiday, um, yeah. and so I think there's still a lot of learning <laughs> on this perspective. Uh, but pretty interesting. I, I never would have guessed um, the acceleration of ice cream. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, no, not to that, especially not to that degree. And I think your point's your point is great too. And and I should want to tell the audience one thing. I mean, I think you know we're coming to this period of time that traditionally is much more promotional. And then you guys have a broad database and data set too. And you know, part of that too is there's a lot of that supply is coming from China and hasn't arrived yet. So how yeah how the retailers are ordering that, um, you know, and thinking about that when China itself, you know, was going through its own new year and then its own outbreak. So that's going to be really, those two factors together are going to be really interesting to see and combine with the fact that we get a second wave or not, but, but we're, I'm excited too, because we're actually out, you know, uh, after we release this podcast, we're actually going to start putting out some of these insights through OmniTalk yeah. uh, around this in terms of what types of 
you know, penetration and cool insights we're seeing on a regular basis. So that'll be fun to follow. Um, and it's a good segue too, because I think back to school uh, is really that, right? I saw somebody yesterday, it's back to school, then you've got Halloween and Thanksgiving. And then of course you got the holidays, but back to school is really the first litmus test here. What, what are you seeing so far? Yeah, this one's interesting because this varies by state and by district, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, some have a hybrid learning yeah. model, some are online, some are going back. And I've got to believe that's a really hard thing to plan for as a, as a retailer. Um, and so what we're seeing right now is retailers like Target, Walmart, uh, Amazon, Kohl's, they've kicked off their back to school advertising, um, you know, as they normally would, but they're running fewer ads than they were mm. at the same time last year. Interesting. Um, and just the, the promotions are off to a slow start, especially with apparel, um, which are down over 60% from a year ago. Promotions are um, down 60% to last year is what you guys are seeing. Yeah. Wow. And okay. well, you know, the other thing with apparel and electronics is there's a shift from print to online, but school supply promotions are still kind of reflecting a similar media mix to last year. Um, and, you know, something again that we've pulled from our data that's pretty interesting is um, two out of five households are planning to primarily shop online and have their supplies delivered. Mm-hmm. One in four are planning to use click and collect. And one in three are saying that they're not going to bring their kids to the store to do back to you know school shopping. So again, this presents an opportunity uh, for retailers and CPGs to, to win new customers in the space. That's wow. really surprising information to me. I mean, I think those numbers actually seem lower than I would have expected them, especially during the pandemic. But um, there's so there, yeah, there's so much that you have to take into consideration right now. I'm curious, Sarah, what kind of questions you've been getting from retailers and CPGs already kind of going into back to school? What, what are people trying to get their heads wrapped around, you know, before we really dive into the season? Yeah, they're definitely looking at, you know, what we call a, a leakage tree report. And so understanding where are they leaking and in, in what items so that they can think about, how do I either promote those or how do I get my share of those? Um, especially as we think about trip consolidation, because, you know, we're definitely seeing that people want to go to less stores. Um, you know, so they're thinking about that. Um, also promotions. Um, this is sort of a, a weird time on promotion. So right when COVID hit, you know, we saw promotions completely go down. Um, although a lot of retailers were still promoting private label. Um, they had a little bit more control over that, you know, I think in, in supply chain, but Um, we're starting to see definitely an uptick in in promotions. You know, I just mentioned a a few of them, but some of them are moving from more print to digital. I think that's, you know, another trend that we're seeing. Um, so it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that, I mean, that's the first thing I thought too, Anne, as you were talking, like it's that those numbers are lower than, you know, I think you'd expect in some ways. And then your point, Sarah, too, I hadn't thought about like in terms of just there's so much probably disparity county by county in terms of how this is playing out and probably still will be. Do you, it, what's your impression so far, or per, if you have one, I'm curious prediction of the season, like, are we going to be at last year, below last year, better than last year? Like, and to what extent are you guys able to see anything at this point or even just early trends in the data? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to vary by category. We're definitely seeing that, right? Because okay. you're still going to need certain things, whether you're doing a hybrid model or, or physically at school or okay. online, right? You're still going to need notebooks. You're still going to need some of those supplies. Okay. But, you know, like I think of back to school shopping when I was a kid, that was my favorite thing to go do in August and like, Hey, let's load up on new shoes and you know, that <laughs> new clothes. And, you know, I think that takes on a whole different means meaning. And like, we just talked about the apparel promotions. Um, that will definitely, we'll see that kind of 
go down, um, yeah. is my prediction. Um, you know, but yeah, then it's, it's not I, as fun to shop for the school supplies, uh, on a tiny screen on a phone. I can attest to that right now. Yeah. Yes. But even just thinking like what you like wear during a day too, just like on that apparel front. Right. So I don't know about yeah. you, Anne, but I wearing a lot of, uh, yoga pants and, right. <laughs> and sweatshirts and, and the kids like, are too. Yeah. yeah I mean, and that's kind of what they're doing too. So, you know, not getting the, the, you know, new shoes. And I don't even, I think I probably feel like I've only worn shoes like a handful of times. Right. <laughs> are you seeing any other kind of uh, I guess different categories that are kind of emerging or popping that wouldn't ordinarily. I mean, Chris and I were talking right before this, like you probably are seeing iPads and things like that go yep. way up in purchases uh, now versus, you know, like you're saying apparel where a lot of the spend probably would have gone. Are there any other things like that that you've seen? Yeah. Some of the ones like that are going like that we're seeing less of, which is kind of interesting mm. is gum. Hmm. Yeah, right. Paste, you know, just yeah, some heard that. that's national, right? Because people yeah. don't, they're not, they're not for sure is <laughs> different. Um, and so, you know, that'll be interesting to see what happens with um, this upcoming season with back to school and holiday. Because are you going to have, you know, Zoom classes? So then maybe you will do some of those routines differently. Or, you know, are people, what is Thanksgiving going to look like? Are you going to have people over? Or are you not? You know, do you get ready the same way? So some of those categories are definitely going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. And one of the things I think is really cool about all of this conversation, you guys are tracking this week to week too, right? Like there's a, you guys have a back to school index. I was popping around on there yesterday and I thought it was really interesting because it was saying everything you're talking about, which is the season is starting off lower from an indexing perspective relative than years past being driven most likely by what you're saying. Like if people found this kind of thread interesting, where can they go to, to learn more about that? Yeah, definitely a couple of things. One, uh, feel free to uh, message me on LinkedIn. So Sarah Batchelder, uh, (laughs) B-A-T-C-H-E-L-D-E-R. But check out our website at numerator.com because to your point, the back to school index, we have quite a few free resources on our website. Um, Promotions tracker, ad spending. I mean, all the things that we talked about today. Um, and we're doing that week to week and, you know, our clients are finding that as a really great resource. So if you want to learn more, definitely check that out. Um, and any specific questions about the company or the solutions, you can easily go to hello at numerator.com. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. I think for anyone listening who found that thread and I'm fascinated by this, I mean, Ann and I were talking about this before, like, how is this going to play out? You know, like what are people going to buy for this season? And then I think the next one right around the corner, like what the hell is going to happen around Halloween? Yeah. I mean, I, anything, are you seeing anything at this point? I mean, it's really early, but I know online, online, you know, that stuff starts up kind of right now. You run that business too, but like curious yeah. what you're seeing. Yeah. We're talking to a lot of customers about this and they're, uh, they're having a hard time planning a little bit because are people going to go to houses? Are they going to leave candy outside? You know, they're all trying around with some different creative ideas and, and, you know, we haven't seen anything quite yet. Um, I, th- the one that I'm the holiday that I'm really curious on what's going to happen or, or the kind of event in the back half here is, um, black Friday, Yeah, you know, so I'm going to make some assumptions, you know, right. That retailers aren't going to say, Hey, I want a bunch of people coming to my store, um, lining up at 4am. And so how are they going to handle those, you know, black Friday promotions, um, you know, to continue, you know, to see the revenue that you would normally see if you would go to the store. So I think that's going to be a whole, whole different game this year too. Yeah, like the last question on that, and then we'll play. How millennial are you? Because uh, I know you've been studying, but like, but 
we've been you to your point like when COVID started we've been less promotional now with back to school it sounds like we're actually being less promotional again at least in specific categories I'm getting asked that question a lot uh, for Black Friday any thoughts there or is it too early yet like are we going to be where are we going to be promotionally with Black Friday Cyber Monday etc yeah and this is uh you know, we don't have a, a ton on this yet. Um, you know, we have some things and some surveys we've done, but I think uh, we're going to see an increase in digital promotions. And, um, you know, we talked about the acceleration of e-com. We're going to see that happen again and probably a, a new way as retailers think about how they're going to, you know, still keep those short delivery windows um, over that. Cause that's part of the reason we do that. Right. You know, we think Amazon, I get it the next day. Well, we don't quite get it the next day anymore. And so um, I think that'll take, you know, based, I think the two things that are going to be interesting are the promotions are going to increase digitally and then um, delivery is going to be going to be huge. It's going to be the key, right? Yeah. Which is fascinating too, because that's going to be a a relatively expensive from a margin perspective way for all the retailers to serve their, their customers, regardless of the category. So, you know, when they're trying to comp those volumes from last year, that's going to be an interesting predicament. So fat and then, yeah. And what do they do to pull the trigger in store? Fascinating, fascinating stuff. This is cool. Yeah. And again, like I said, if you guys have liked this conversation so far, be sure to check us out over the next few weeks, because we're going to be sending stuff more your way in partnership with Numerator too. So, and I think we're ready. Are we going to do this? Let's, 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 let's rock it. this. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, Sarah. When you are going to pay for something at the grocery store, what are you pulling out? Your phone, your wallet, cash, a credit card. What is it? I'm grabbing my wallet. Usually trying to find my credit card that I threw in my purse and not back in my wallet. But on top of it, I don't know if you do that, but on top of it, my credit card is ripped. It's like broken, barely hanging on. And I won't get a new one because they change the account number and then I have to set up all my auto pays again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how I'm paying. Tale as old as time, Sarah, but we need to get you onto Apple Pay because you don't have to worry about that yep, ever again. Yeah. So you're like you're like a purse grab bag at checkout. That's basically what we're talking about here. That's, that's what it looks like. Yep. So you're not doing, we, this week we talked about Venmo being the next thing. So you're not on the Venmo Apple pay trail yet. I'm definitely using Venmo and Apple pay. So it's funny because I use Apple pay for all my online purchases, which I'm so happy it doesn't ring because it rings like five times a day with some new delivery. So I use it online, but not in store, which is sort of funny. Um, And Venmo, I'm constantly Venmoing my kids Um, (laughs) because they're like, open low. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be more prevalent too, we think. I mean, we were predicting that earlier this week in terms of how much that's going to start to take off here as retailers get on. It's good kudos to CVS for getting on that bandwagon. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, next question. Uh, in the last week, how many times have you ordered food or coffee or drinks from an app? Oh, gosh, at least nine. Whoa! A lot. Nine times. That's, so, that might be like a record set on this show, Chris. I don't know. That's Ferris nine. Bueller. Nine times. <laughs> nine times. Oh, yeah. yeah. What kind okay. of nine? What are you buying in that nine times? What's your proportion there, yes. data expert? I go to Starbucks every single day. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Every day. So using the Starbucks app? Okay. So they see me every day and um, say hi to me. <laughs> it's embarrassing when they say my name and everyone else is waiting for the drink and mine is ready to go. Um and then we use DoorDash at, at least four times um, during the course of the week. So I bet I'm up to nine this week already. Sarah, have you uh, explored the Dash Mart from DoorDash? Are you going to be one of those early pilot customers in Minneapolis? 
I haven't yet, but I did do the dash pass because I looked at how much my kids were ordering in the delivery. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So I did that. Yeah. Uh, But uh, I haven't checked that out yet. Okay. I mean, she's, she's got it on every single one, Chris. I feel like we're, (laughs) we're so close. Uh, We'll do the final, final question. Yeah. I don't know. We need some work in store on payments, but yeah. We need some work in store, but but there needs some work. Yeah, the dash pass. I mean, nobody we've talked to has had the dash pass. So I feel like I'm going to give some of the credit to her kids because I feel like they have helped yeah. you substantially yes. come in and, and win this game. But let's get to the last question. So if you, Sarah, could only use one social app, which one would it be and why? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I don't know if I should answer this with my first. Oh, yeah, you should. Yeah, now you definitely uh, Okay, I'm going to say TikTok. Because I am obsessed with TikTok and I waste so much time at night. Um, And this is why this is my favorite because, um, you know, a lot of people aren't commenting and there's nothing about really COVID on there. It's like a great little brain free break from kind of the real world. And if I see that little white dog, like banging his head in the the thing again, I'm going to die laughing. Like it is the best. Um, I spent two hours on last night, which is pretty embarrassing. What? (laughs) Yeah, I probably shouldn't tell people that. But uh, I don't do that every day, like my Starbucks trip. But um, yeah, it's just kind of some mindless entertainment, you know, during this strange time. <laughs> I, yeah, well, it's like America's Funniest Home Videos yeah. on a live stream. That are what, 20 Perfectly seconds? To you. Yes. It's like 20 yeah. seconds, right, Anne? Like 15 uh, seconds? Or yeah, I mean, depends on how, how, like there's different time domains that you can work within. But yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, got it. That's crazy. Two hours? Yeah. And my kids, I'm like, hey, do you want to make a TikTok? They're like, you're too old. Do not make a TikTok. So So I may have made a few just to embarrass them, but we'll save that for another podcast. (laughs) That's fantastic. Is that, that's our first TikTok, right, Anne? I don't think we've had I think it's one of, yeah, if if not one of the very few, yes, but um sarah you want do you want to give your tiktok handle away or do we just have to find these videos you're just gonna have to find it okay (laughs) well we're up for the challenge well chris i think she did a fantastic job and i would say she's like marginal millennial like right over the hump yeah no the tiktok thing throws her over the edge i don't i think we've had tick tick or tick 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 tock (laughs) tick tick i think we've had tiktok as like the throw in of like i'm cool but i chose linkedin before you know as the first choice i think we had that but i don't think we've had anyone go all in on tiktok and i guess sarah get the get your money's worth now because god knows where that thing's going yeah right but um Man, that was yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, no, I think she, I, I thought she did great. Like the upper echelon of uh, of millennials on this program, that's for sure. So, well, Sarah, again, that was that was great. I had a ton of fun. I, I, I had a ton of fun doing this. I learned a lot. I'm excited about you know continue to learn uh, with you guys too as we go forward. Again, real quick, if people want to learn more, you know, where should they go? Uh, check, find me on LinkedIn, message me, or send and uh, check out hello at numerator.com. Awesome. Very awesome. All the answers you need. <laughs> All the answers you need, every single one of them throughout the season. Awesome. Well, hey, again, thank you so much. On behalf of Ann, that was Sarah Batchelder, Vice President of Retail Sales at Numerator. And as always, to everyone out there, be careful out there.